With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and, well, really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb, I am. Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And this very day, you are going to have some humanity, some common sense, and some reality put into your business decisions. Have you ever had that sinking feeling that your product, well, it's, it's just not connecting with the clients and the great mass of folks out there? Well, the big boys over at Amazon and Ford Motors, Coca-Cola, and a score of Fortune 100s are sharing that same sinking feeling. And the individual they are turning to is Mr. Christian Masbier. Christian and his red associates are ripping out all the old mathematical and impersonal marketing surveys, and they're replacing them with, <gasps> heaven forfend, real human contact, employing the deductive qualities of an anthropologist and a humanities major rather than all the numbers-crunching uh, statisticians' area fantasies. And... Does uh, Christian's common sense approach work? Well, come listen and learn. And whether you are a CEO of a trendy cutting-edge PR firm seeking to breed awareness on consumer items like Ron, or you're a salesman for a major retail food company trying to better understand your clients like Joe, pull up your chair a little closer and join us in this feast of wisdom all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Christian, I'm so glad that you could break free and come join us today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. It's a cold morning, but I'm very good. Ah, yes. Well, the blessing of winter. And now, Christian, you're really, as, as I see it, the voice of, of human reason. You're the reed shaking in the wind who's telling all the planet's major businesses that, uh, when in their marketing that they're doing it wrong, or at least not wrong, they're doing it incompletely. So succinctly, what are all the, the heads of these very highly paid creative marketing departments, uh, what are they missing? Well, I, I don't think it's that odd if you, if you look at the life of a CMO or a, or a CEO these days. They live in glass towers far away from the people that use the products that they produce. And most of them have never, um, uh, you know, if they're a car executive, they haven't bought a car for a while. Uh, or if they are making um, sports shoes, they, of course, get their shoes for free. So it's, it's, a, it's right. been a while since they've been out in, in sort of the normal, gray, everyday uh, life of uh, people. And what we do is just to get that back in, get the, uh, uh, the life and the reality of, of people, sort of the everydayness of everything back into the conversation and that seems to be quite helpful which is not surprising it's rather obvious when you think about it but it's sort of something we've forgotten 
I, you know, I think so. I, I think that uh, I, I've heard you, uh, you and some others use the term that we're victims of math destruction. That is, we're, we're allowing uh, marketing algorithms and uh, consumer use algorithms to direct us when in truth uh, we homo sapiens really make lousy linear study models. You, you, you can't sort of view us from nowhere. So should we abandon, do you think, all, all the, the marketing data entirely? Absolutely not. Um, I think uh. there's a kind of marketing data that we've created over the past 50 years because we didn't have anything better, which is the data that is based on asking people what they think about something. So do you like your beer crisp or dark? Do you like uh, if we change the color? Do you like if we um, put more seats in the back and so on? Those kind of um, those questionnaires and focus groups have been something we've had to do because we didn't have anything else to do. We didn't have the kind of data we have now, which is coming out of sensors and chipsets and mobile phones and so on. Uh, and the, the the big difference between those two sets of data is that one requires self-reflection of the of the consumer, and the other one is just tracking activity. And I like the latter, not the former. I think the former right. is uh, a very very imprecise uh, way of dealing with anything. And you know, if you think about how do you like your uh, car to be, or how would you like your um, uh, Coca-Cola to be? You don't, you don't really know. It's just part of your daily life, and you do, um, you do the things you do. It's sort of what one does. Yet, uh, when we force you to relate to it and force you to think about it, you have to come up with something, and that's what happens in surveys and focus groups, which is why they're so imprecise. What we suggest is that you combine big data analytics. So that is the analytics that comes out of whatever we click on or swipe or where we go with our phones. Combine that with the depth of understanding that humans can give when they observe each other. So what an, an anthropologist, a social anthropologist or a, um, a sociologist can do is that they go out in the reality of consumers and observe for a while. Just shut up and listen and um, observe and try to figure out what's going on with these people and come up with hypotheses that can then be tested in big data sets. So what I'm against is the classic marketing research, and I think that is going down. It's a $20 million industry, and it will be gone in 10 years. Uh, but mm. there's this new kind of, the new set of, of information, and I like that, but I don't like it on its own because it can't understand anything based on it. You need to combine it with the depth of understanding that something like anthropology gives it. So it's the combination of these two that I think will change the entire landscape of how companies understand markets. Okay. Well, now, is, is you, so you've got uh, both a broader and deeper approach to markets, and just just to help us get a handle, what kind of individuals are you looking for in the Red Associates team? I mean, if if I came to work for you, uh, I was an English major, uh, and what what sort of abilities and mindsets would you want? want me to bring rather that uh, perhaps a more traditional marketing pro might not have right yeah well the first thing is curiosity about other people um and i think there's a 
a surprising lack of interest in other people from marketing organizations or any sort of market research organization around. They just want to put them into some segments and figure out how big those segments are and figure out which products fits in which, which segments. So it's, it's become mechanical. So what I'm looking for are people that are um, interested in truly understanding what's going on and that can immerse themselves in an environment without making too much trouble. So when you, if you go and you study, um, say, people that have been told that they have diabetes and that are struggling with their disease, then you've got to be careful and, um, and graceful in the way you deal with that community um, so that you're not skewing the data you're looking at, but also just being nice to people so that you're not messing up anything because you're getting a slice of their life by looking at it for a week or so. So, so it's, it's this ability to be um, looking and being quiet. So it's often quiet, introverted people. It's often people with um, an interest rather in listening rather than talking. Uh, that is other people we look for. And we get great – there are lots of those out there, um, and they're educated primarily on the big universities in the humanities or in the, some of the social sciences, so not economics. Economics is uh, generally unhelpful because they know everything before they are done studying. <laughs> but, but, the, but the sociologists and the anthropologists seem to be still curious about what on earth is going on to us and to our world. So, so, so curiosity and this sort of um, sensitivity to culture uh, are two things. And then the last thing I, I think, I think is, is business savvy, sort of good old, can we make something here? Can we do something here? Can we intervene right. in a meaningful and helpful way that would also be commercially attractive? So I think what you're saying is you really don't want a big, loud-mouthed radio show host who won't shut up. But you do like someone. I, I'm reminded of, of the old story of, of how MIT uh, has brought forward all its humanities courses and making many of them mandatory. And when they were asked why they did that, the president of MIT said, because too many of our graduates end up working for people from Harvard and Yale. And... Uh, the English majors. <laughs> right. Correct. And it's it's a tragedy because it's a it's a sort of a it's um it's a gold mine we have in North America where we have people that come from under wanting to understand our history, our literature, our songs, our music and have that really? ability to do that, but we don't use them for anything. Uh so I have a I have a you know, a great time hiring. I, I have a lot of opportunities where all the other consultancies that I normally compete with, they are all over at the business school. I'm looking at the at the English and comparative lit majors and the philosophy majors and the anthropologists. Oh. And I, I have very little competition there. Uh, so I can get fantastic people compared to the ones that are all competing over the same class of MBAs. Oh, my gosh, Yes. Ah, uh, mature at best, I believe it stands for. I'm not sure, but uh, the I, I at any rate, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misperceived realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this episode by visiting theartoftheceo.com. 
We're on several uh, radio stations and internet streaming stations, but the easiest way to find us is theartoftheceo.com. Now, Christian, uh, you have told me that the Ford 151 truck, I believe, is the most American instrument. It's what wine is to France and furniture is to Scandinavia. That it, You say that this truck signifies us. And, and this sort of springs to mind two questions. And uh, how, uh, uh, what is it, and, and how did you learn that? So first of all, uh, elaborate. Why is, what is the Ford 51 truck? To, to Americans, why, why is it uh, so significant? Right. So I, I work with Ford and have have done so for a while, uh, trying to rethink the way that we um, uh, deal with mobility. Uh, and of course, if you deal with Ford, you run into the Ford F one fifty truck, which is a uh, the best selling vehicle. It's a money maker. It's a it's a great product in general. And um, we've been sort of part of, of dealing with that for a while. And, of course, we went, to, we went around the world to look at different places, but we, particularly we started out in North America and in the, in the oh. Midlands, in sort of the flyover country of, of America. And there, if you go to any community, the F-150 truck or the you know, other brands' trucks, but the F-150 in particular, stands for being a good citizen. If you have one of those, you can help people with getting their refrigerator moved, or you can help. Um, you can help uh, move. You can you know, pull somebody out of trouble, or you can go and enjoy the American outdoors. And that makes yeah, you yeah. not only a good person; it makes you a good Christian uh, in 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 those environments. So it's very much tied up to. Uh, to Christianity and and to some of the values in Christianity that are so deeply rooted in in, in North America. So the truck yeah. becomes a symbol of community of what we think is right about us and our story. And it's also a symbol of great manufacturing um, and sort of rocket outdoorsiness. Um, and I I came to really enjoy and like that product because of of the things that it symbolized for people um, and the kinds of things it could do for people. It's an immensely powerful product that means that's a, almost like a family member to, to, to the families that own one. So the second so question is how do we... That, uh, well, I was just going to say, so what you're, you're saying is that I'm a, I'm a rugged individual and this truck makes me more so, but I can help you. Uh, so I'm strong in my own right, but I can help you out when, when, uh, when, whenever you'd like because I am yeah. also a good person. You're a guardian of the values of the community, and you keep them alive by doing things, not by saying things, not by preaching, but by actually doing things. And that's a very American idea. So you are what Oh, you it is and, indeed. And this truck is so ingrained in, in that entire lifestyle and that belief system that I think it's the most – it's a window into understanding North America. How did we do this? this is, well, we yes, I, this is what I want to know. How this is I I believe absolutely everything you have just said, and what I want to know is how did how did uh, Christian and Red Associates find this out? Well, we went there, we bought tickets, we uh, recruited people. Uh, actually, we recruited people that own trucks, people that don't own trucks, people that used to, people that were going to, and we spent 
uh, a long time with them. So uh, in some cases, um, up to a week where we uh, stayed with them, we went to church with them, we had dinner with them, we went to work. We followed them and basically observed their life as it's lived right. on a normal basis. So not, we're not interested uh-huh. in the extraordinary. We're not interested in anything that doesn't normally happen. We're interested in how is a normal day and sort of going by and how do you, how do you uh, get, pick up your kids from from softball and all those kinds of things. And and we, we yeah. went, in this case, we went to Texas and went to Colorado, we went to North Carolina, we went to we sort of all over the place. And then later on, we went to six countries around the world, so the outback in oh. Australia to Russia to Brazil and so on, to see how this product could be fit for other purposes or for maybe the same purposes in other places around the world where it isn't as successful as it is in North America. So it, we capture all that data on video, and we have uh-huh. people code the video so that we create basically a database of multimedia, based both pictures and video and the field notes of the people that are out there. And we can start looking for patterns in the behavior of people and see why are they doing this. And uh, I, I suppose they do it for these reasons. Do they do the same things in other places and, and so on? So basically, quite empirically uh, and quite sort of systematically and organized, go through the life of these people to figure out how can we make the product better? Could, what should we change? What should we take out? Are there services in and around the vehicle we could make? How about owners of fleets? Should we make different features for them? Um, there are new technologies available like electrification and so on and digital technologies. H- how would technologies like that fit into the life? Instead of just making them because we can, then no. figure out how would they fit into right. the life of people. Exactly. Well, you've done something, Christian, it seems to me, as if that you have created, uh, you have deduced a picture of individuals and this is and put them together. You ha- and you have resisted the idea is to uh, lump nugget them numerically into all those who want to winch in the front car are this percent. You, uh, but you have created a picture, and thus it's much more easy to translate. Of, you've created a vision as a good uh, person, anal- as a good English major analyzing Hamlet might do, and you therefore come up with a solution and a product which is also another vision and picture and it's easier to do when you've got that original picture am i right exactly so a, a historian that looked at what happened at doing d-day would also look at pictures yeah. of the of the notes of the people of the um, news um, that came out during the day in order to piece together what was it like to be on those boats what was it like to uh, hit the sand, and how did those days sort of unfold, and what was it like to be them? So you and what is it like to be in a Ford 150 truck? Exactly. So you piece together a a picture of what something, what it's like to be someone else that is not the CEO of the Ford Motor Company, and he needs to understand that when he makes calls on, you know, multi-billion dollar investments in the next Ford 150. Um, so so it's sort of a, it's a way of piecing together life as it's lived um, and capture how we might help. It sounds like an immensely uh, challenging and frankly, Scarlett, an awful lot of fun. Christian, you've written two books, 
sense-making and moment of clarity. And it seems to me as if you are, you, you've got a tough, bit of a tough sell. Uh, these books are sort of the, the Ebenezer's, the hallmark of, of uh, your work and your products. Um, what, and I guess, you're, but you're telling people that they're really hitting quite, quite wide of the mark. And uh, so how have the books been received? So they have both been published in all around the world in 15-plus languages, um, and the, they've sold uh, very well. But mostly they've spread the language to two groups. They've spread the language to executives that now have a new tool to deal with uncertainty and deal with, you know, what's going on in my market kind of questions. And secondly... Uh, it spread the message to liberal arts majors and people that are interested in literature or people in general and say there is actually a career for you uh, that it might not be becoming a tenured professor uh, because we can't all be no. tenured professors. Some of us will have right, to deal right. with making things out in the world and whether that is in healthcare or in um, automotive or in consumer consumables. We take, and we can take them forward. Well, now, uh, just quickly, uh, how can um, uh, those of us who are smart and, and sharp get a copy of uh, these books? Well, the Amazon platform is probably the easiest way, but it's been distributed to all major uh, bookstores and all major independent bookstores. Uh, and it also exists digitally. So it, it's, it would be uh, surprising if somebody couldn't get their hands on one. Okay, uh, I could I could get digital. I could probably also get it audio. Absolutely, audio? yeah. It's on all it's on all right. platforms. Okay, I thank you very much. And um, so with this delightful sort of noshing at today's piece of wisdom, uh, I think after everything Christian's given us, it's time to take a brief survey and allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's piece. And the first utensil, as I always do, please allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you push yourself to, to some utmost limit? Take one task and venture or venture and just give it your absolute mind and gut-wrenching all. Or... Will you seek the enriched life through the very sensible shackles of moderation? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I hear you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter. So let's take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Scripts book. I am pulling it out here. And, uh, oh, okay, here's one that's appropriate. It's number 50. Our chief marketing officer wants our new product to sell for a dime. Our CFO wants a profit of a dollar, and our CEO wants it produced yesterday. What this firm needs is a chief reality officer. <laughs> and as an afterthought, you know, each of us holds our own personal ideal visions, and they're based on our narrow corporate perspective. And that's what creates all the scrabbles, squabbles and troubles. So if you want to obtain a really profitable consensus, why not let the real boss of the company arbitrate? Yes, of course, I mean the customer. Just a thought. <laughs>
And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit BartsBooks.com and pick up your copy of 101 or 102 Best Business Quips, and you will find your own quiver laden with witticisms and barbs that will lighten uh, all the load of all your fellow chain gangers at work. And as a third utensil, uh, we sumptuously spoon out to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the author who suggested... I don't make jokes. I just watch the government and report the facts. <laughs> Those words were spoken by none other than America's lasso-tossing humorist who always roped in the truth, Mr. Will Rogers. And stick with us, because later on in the show, blurting away comes another quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be. And email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and career-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to Christian's marketing revolution, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that beneficial firm is one of our cohorts in Curation of Business Knowledge, CEO Report. Under the innovative hand of uh, veteran business publisher Jim McDonald, you know, the, the, the CEO Report uses its print and online journal and newsletters and in-depth video interviews and, oh, just every conceivable media to help guide you, business leaders, onto a more profitable track and to learn also who's doing it right and how and why. And as a matter of fact, for those of you who are in the New York area, tomorrow CEO Report is giving uh, its corporate culture rewards on uh, the 24th. Um, for which, uh, by the way, the Art of the CEO will be taking part. So if you want to know who, who the creative leaders are and you want to justifiably join them, just check out CEOReport.com. That's CEOReport.com. So now, with utensils in hand, I invite you to join me back into our Feast of Wisdom and learn the true art of client connection and serving the public from uh, the ideas of Christian Masbier. And... Now, Christian, when you were brought on board to help, uh, among many other companies, uh, Lego, and you you were asked to help help them find the missing pieces of their market, and apparently you discovered something very telling and very scary about the world of American children and their current environment. What what did what uh, did you unearth? Right. So there are two. I mean, there are two major things we've done with Lego. One was 12 years ago where we brought, we were part of the team that brought them back from real trouble. They'd lost a lot of money for a decade and I, they turned around the company is now the, and is now the biggest toy company in the world. And that story is written out in the, in the first book I wrote in English, which is the, the moment of clarity. But lately, of course, um, more things have happened to the toy market and the toy industry and particularly around digital uh, technology. So if you looked at a, at, a, at a normal restaurant in a normal town in North America 10 years ago, right. uh, you wouldn't have children sitting looking down at phones all the time. Down oh, you yeah. do all over the place. So basically for hours a day they're sucked into these screens and um, highly addictive, highly um, um, interesting thing that sort of, for any anybody that has addictive tendencies, which humans have, uh, it yes, can be a problem. Name one um, 
Yeah, I, I think we, we most of us do. And and it's um this is a highly addictive technology, and it it makes of course the the time and the space for Lego less, uh, and uh, of course puts emphasis on the need to connect the building activity, the activity of building with imagination and and uh, construction sort of mindset also with them in, in the digital world so combining the digital and the physical is the key for toy companies of the future toy companies like lego that we sort of use the addictive nature of of the digital technology for good rather right. than just sucking them into mindless um uh, uh, sort of tv shows and so on that which right, is the right. case today so so it's using the framework of lego which is a delightful wonderful one of 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 create creation and creativity um and using that uh for good by connecting to the digital so what, what well, how, did you connect, was, how, how did you connect how did you what did you give lego to, to move them forward so if you see some of the latest uh products that have been coming out the last year or so are a combination of creating in a digital world so learning how to code and learning how to make robots and so on and building them in reality and also controlling them via digital interfaces. So basically, it is a sort of a bridge product between the physical world and the digital world. So if you build something in Minecraft, it never becomes physical. It's always inside the digital world. But here we can Uh. create worlds and landscapes and characters and so on uh, in the in the in the real world, and that's the first thing. And they have an ongoing found. life, is what you're saying. You've got a narrative, an ongoing life of a story that is leading you forward, rather than than just mindlessly exactly. throwing bricks together. Exactly. Right. And the second thing I think is that the digital world have have changed the way kids tell stories. So stories used to be singular. They used to be the story of. Um, Superman, say. Um, right. But uh-huh. now, uh, the stories sort of um, combine, and there's no problem for a child to have many characters that basically, I mean, Harry Potter right. and Superman are not in the same world, but for them, it's okay. So if you see the latest Lego movies, and if you see a lot of the products, you can now combine these worlds into stories that are completely new, and that has created the whole DC superhero world and all those kinds of things. So it's it's all driven. Actually, on I think you're right in that. In that, do. if you'll allow me, just for a second, I mean, if you look at uh, the television shows, they are there's there's no long there's no longer the singular plot of goes on of this, there's uh, here's the crime, there's the uh, the guy who did it, and we we chase after him. Uh, there's it's all start back with Hill Street Blues in the late '80s. That that now there every show has multiple plots running through it, and our children have picked up on this. I think, and multiple much. characters. So if you see the latest mm-hmm. Lego movie, you would have many of the villains of the world in the same movie, uh, and many of the heroes of the world in the same movie. And kids can handle that. And that's what did. And I think Lego was the first one to pick up on that uh, that trend in a in a meaningful way and sort of create a product around it. I think it's it's great. Christian, I, I wanted to talk about Coca-Cola, and there's this uh, enigma wrapped in a mystery Facebook that you've helped, and unfortunately, uh, we just cannot get to them today, but uh, I hope to heavens that, that we can seduce you back on uh, for another go and, and to tell uh, how 
how your your method of transformation and your bringing humanity into marketing are are helping some of the other firms. So hopefully we can get you back on again. Well, I would be honored. I I thank you and I thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh so now as we round out today's I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation. And who was it who said, the best way to predict the future is to create it? <laughs> and as a hint, that innovative prince of management consulting was noted as also as humorously jibing. They call me a guru because the word, the word charlatan is too long to fit in a headline. <laughs> and... So remember now, if if you know the author of this quote, just scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com for an absolutely life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And uh, be sure to tune in next week to seize the opportunity to learn about uh, protecting the power of your brain. We've got super attorney Randy Freeberg, who is who helps CEOs and celebrities uh, and everybody get uh, legally safeguard their most prized and precious gold, their intellectual property, as is yours. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, today's carefully appointed executive believes that appearances mean everything, and therefore spends hours and thousands dressing to give the impression that they mean nothing at all. <laughs> and to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as, as much as Christian and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may da- uh, hear this show and all our other shows by visiting theartofthecEO.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.